0: Live on Never Had It So Good Sports Radio. A new day brings new topics. Our sports talk brings extensive debate and analysis by the host, expert contributors, and callers. We discuss it off. Join us weekdays at 6 p.m. and 7 p.m. on Never Had It So Good Sports Radio.
1: Welcome to Never Had It So Good Sports Radio. I am Princess Cooper. My co-host, Duck Raleigh, and also Tim Moore. Welcome, gentlemen. How are you?
0: Doing well, Princess. Doing no well, awesome, Princess.
1: Awesome. Great, great. Love to hear that. It is that time of year. Um, Tim, you missed the, the the question yesterday. Hopefully, we can get that in the second hour tonight. You know, your prediction of Penn State, <laughs> West Virginia. Okay, um, okay. Duck okay. said you had to go. But I don't want you to miss it tonight, okay? Oh. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. Let's welcome in the gentleman here. Let's see if we have uh, Mr. Tommy Bouton. Coach Bouton, how are you? Doing good. Thanks for having me again. Look, We're finally getting
2: ready for some action.
1: Get yeah. some action for sure. All right. Rob Ambrose, welcome to the show.
3: Glad to be back. Glad to be back with everybody. Thank
1: you. Thank you. Thank you, Coach. Linda Johnson, welcome to the show.
4: Good. How are you? Great to be back.
1: Great to have you back, Coach Johnson. All right, Duck, let's get started.
5: Okay. Uh, Glad to have everybody back, man. I hate to keep changing dates on you guys, but I I kept the topics the same, even though they're a little bit older (laughs) now. But uh, I want to start off with uh, Rob Ambrose. Let's talk about the conference shakeup.
3: Oh What's gosh. your thoughts? Oh my gosh! <laughs> uh, I, if there was ever, if we were ever blind to the fact that at the major college level, it's about the almighty dollar, we can't be now. To, I had a conversation with a guy who's just a great football fan. He just loves football, lo- loves college football, loves college football more than anything in the world, and he is just intellectually dumbfounded that you're having a conversation about the Atlantic coast conference with two teams from California. Yeah. And it, like, it's, it, it's just intellectually kind of offensive. And clearly we,
5: it's
3: going to happen. It's going to keep happening. And I'm sure it's just, gonna be, you know, there's going to be a steamroll in of this. But as far as the general regionalness of some of the great things that are in college football, we're, we're clearly going to lose that to the almighty dollar.
5: Okay, uh, Tommy. Uh, Rose Bowl. We so we're so accustomed to seeing the Big Ten and the Pac-12.
2: Yeah, they're, they're got, the Pac-12 is gone. <laughs> you know, but a couple of th- a couple of things. You know, and, and and Rob mentioned about the money. I saw the statement from the president of the University of Washington said we did it for stability. Well, how are you getting that stability? More money, so <laughs> he used the code word. But it's it's because of money, and uh, you know the it, it's amazing where you see. I, I think the ACC is voting maybe as we speak if they haven't already on the addition of the, uh, the, uh, the the SMU and Calif- Stanford, California, and SMU. And I think Rob also said about the intelligent, uh, you know, the intelligence of bringing West Coast teams over there, but. Again, the ACC being in it, you know, with Duke and Virginia and Wake Forest, they see themselves as a higher academic standard conference. So uh, they'll be making a decision based on intelligence of Stanford and Cal coming into the ACC. Uh, I don't know if that will happen. It it makes no sense. Girls volleyball, tennis, going to travel to California. The extent of traveling your Olympic sports across the country uh, for the ACC, it, it, makes, it makes no difference. And it's amazing how you see the separation right now of the Big Ten and the SEC with, with the monies and, and now the number of teams. And uh, uh, I remember years ago, Philip Fulmer and, 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 and uh, Jackie Sherrill told me, and I might have mentioned this before, that they could easily see sixty a 60-team 60 conference, which the group with the Power Five was about 60 teams. The group of five was 60. But now we're seeing those 60 being cut in half, and the ACC, the Big Ten, the SEC is about 30 schools. So now you see a, a 30 school separation from the other 60 and uh, all because of money. But some of these things, like Rob said, don't make sense on ge- ge- geography.
5: Coach so, Johnson, your thoughts on it?
4: Well, I mean, my thoughts are not much different. I mean, I, I think it's, it's just an obvious thing to take closeness off it. And, uh, you know, you look at uh Coach, well, Coach Bowen just said. You look at the ACC, these predominantly southern schools the sports that are supposed to be important, the tennis, track, and field, all, all those sports now have to travel across country. Um, and most of those sports usually play in mid-week, midweek games and multiple midweek games. So I don't know how that schedule is going to occur. When now three of your teams or two of your teams are on the West Coast, one's in Texas. It's going to be interesting to see how that all lays out.
5: Uh, I want to bring Tim in, Tim, because I'm looking at what uh, Coach Johnson just said. Uh, You're bringing California, Stanford, and SMU to the ACC. Why not trade with the Big 12 and bring West Virginia, Cincinnati, and Central Florida uh, to the ACC? And let them give uh, the Big Twelve, California, and SMU.
0: Uh, I think that that makes too much sense, Doc. Um,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, my answer makes too much sense. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, um, you know, you know, I, I think the answer is what Coach Bowden pointed out is that the ACC uh, has always kind of seen themselves as being um, sort of uh, blue blood academic schools. And, um, you know, uh, that's the reason uh, that they did not want Virginia Tech. Uh, the governor of Virginia had to, had to talk the University of Virginia down from keeping Virginia Tech out of the ACC because they saw them as the blue-collar school in the state of Virginia, and they were not on par with Thomas Jefferson's university. Um And it's also the reason that they didn't want West Virginia when they had a chance. Um, So I think this whole move with Cal and SMU and Stanford is a profile thing. It's consistent with the academic profile of what the ACC has always wanted to project. But geographically, as the other coaches have have mentioned, it makes no sense at all.
5: Okay. uh, Princess. Okay. So you go down. Now you're down to two teams, Washington State, Oregon State. So they go, do they go into the
1: Mountain West? I think they're looking for a home for sure. Um, I, I thought that the ACC voted down Stanford um, and Cal. I'm not for sure, but I, I thought I saw that, um, you know, a few days ago. But um, if you're in the Pac-12, you're definitely looking for another home there's nothing left. There were four teams, there may be two, so they're gonna to have to find some place to go. Duck, I like what you said as far as exchanging with the A C C and and um Big Twelve but but as you know, Tim just said it you know, that makes too much sense. Um I'm coming from a fan perspective and watching football a long time, especially college football, um, and to see some of the matchups maybe disappear to see um, you know, UCLA, USC disappeared from the Rose Bowl. You know, I, I don't know what to expect of this, but the Big Ten, now the Big 18, it's expected to get $70 million a year, um, and now those teams want stability. That's a great word for I want more money, and it's there, <laughs> and I'm going to get it.
5: Okay. Uh, I want to talk about entitlement, Uh especially with this generation, after listening to some of these, these young men and young ladies talk. Uh, Tommy, what, what's your thought about this generation, entitlement?
2: You know, when I thought about that, that question, I, I looked at my, my father has a record, 14 top five finishes in a row, which is, I don't know if I love to be broken, uh, but he did it with seven quarterbacks that were started for two years, fourth-year junior, fifth-year senior. Uh, they didn't feel they were entitled. They, they, they waited their turn. They had patience. But now, a quarter, and I say quarterbacks, I bring that position because it's a high-profile position, and they might be more entitled than anybody. But they want to go to a place where so they can play immediately, and they expect the program to make adjustments so they can play immediately, but they feel like they're entitled. Uh, had this situation been years ago, of course, obviously my father would have never had that record Charlie Ward, Chris Winkie, Danny canal although they, they would have never, never, never stayed. And so uh, we're in a bad position, uh, position with the entitlement culture, but, it, but it, it's a huge part of college football. The NIL and the transfer portal doesn't help it anymore. But, again, you're kind of caving to the entitlement culture of, of athletes. When you, I think when you, when you put in those, at least those, those rules with no structure, no guidelines, and no boundaries, but uh, it's really making it's really making the coaching profession more difficult. And it would not, I think, you're going to see more coaches in their 40s or 50s head to the NFL and say the heck with it. You know, it's it's uh, it's it's getting out of hand. So I think it's going to change in a lot of ways.
5: Okay, uh, So, Johnson, same question. You know, this entitlement, and I'm sure by you guys coaching, you know, Coach Ambrose, uh, I don't know if you guys ran into that type of uh, kid.
4: Well, no, we definitely ran into him, and that's the big reason why I'm I'm sitting here now.
5: <laughs> oh, you
4: know. <laughs> you know. Ran me out of it a little bit. and uh, it's, Like Coach just said, it, it, it's gotten so out of control, and then it's really scary for the future of college athletics. I mean, I, I don't know where we're heading and what, what the plan is, and, um, what people think are, is going to happen, but the entitlement of this generation, um, I'm very nervous for them. Because, and a lot of these kids, that you talk about the NLI and things like that, I'm more nervous. What are they going to do when college is over and those that don't make it to the next level? So they're, they're getting all this money now. Well, there's so many kids that are getting money right now and making money and, and living the life. Well, A lot of those kids aren't going to make it to the next level. And what's going to happen to them then? Because they're not going to know how to handle those situations, how to handle failure, how to deal with obstacles, because they're not learning those lessons in in college like they used to. Like Coach just talked about, all those quarterbacks with his father that had to wait their turn and and grind through and and defeat those obstacles. Well, they learned that in college. Well, these kids aren't learning that now. And all of a sudden, in the very near future, well, the NIL is out the window soon as you graduate school that's over now what and you didn't make the nfl or whatever pro league board has that's the really scary part because they're going to get used to having things always being worked out for them and and, and getting their way and getting it in a big way and it's it's going to be a little scary when that happens
5: okay coach Rose, same question
3: <laughs> oh my <clears throat> entitlement i you know, when you talk about the kids and, and the young men of today, I, I've kind of grown to a different perspective. I don't like it, but it's not their fault. It's that as parents, we did this. We created this. The kids didn't create it. The parents created it. And, you know, I'll say, and even some of the coaches, I'll, I'll say some of the coaches and how we've gone around with youth football and that mentality, you know, when we offered a 12-year-old kid – to go to USC so we could put it on national television, not necessarily in the best interest of the game or the future mentality of those kids. And that they've been told how good they are. Uh, They've been told, and the kids that are told how great they are at such a young age, their work ethic is 10 times less because I'm that good. I don't have to, I'm better than the process and you're so special. You're better than the process. (laughs) And the, pro- and the process is the thing that grows young men. It's the reason we, we do this. The true reason we do this is because we love the process so much and what it can do for young men through the game football. And we've kind of given that up. Social media gets to be the magnifier with the gasoline on top of it. But, you know, until, until we I would say historically, if you followed, you can take it out of sports, but the pendulum always swings back. And once it goes too far and it's really getting too far, it will come back one day. I just hope I'm around to see it.
5: Okay. Uh, one coming to the uh uh Coach Ambrose brought up something interesting uh,
3: The parents.
5: Uh, should we blame the parents, Princess?
1: For sure, Doc. Um, I, I, I identify with everything that, that Coach Rob Ambrose said. And, you know, you have to go – to the home, and I've heard over and over to you: you have to raise this generation a little bit different. No, no, what worked for me will work for mine too, and, and we're going to do the same thing. And as I promise you, you're going to get us thinking when we get home, or we're going to have a meeting of the minds. That's exactly what's going to happen. But somewhere we got off, and we decided that they don't have to. um incur the peaks and the valleys, the ups and the downs, the successes and the failures. They just want the bright lights and to get on YouTube. And, you know, and then here comes the NIL deal, and I'm all for it. But when you sit down and look at it, Arch Manning, who is number two on the death chart for the University of Texas this year, will make more than Joe Burroughs mm-hmm. in, in in annual salary. Because Joe Burroughs, of course, has gotten his incentives, and he's gotten a lot of his money up first. But Joe Burrows is scheduled to make about $1.2 million this year. Um, Arch Manning, $3.2 million. <laughs> When did that happen? And he's not even a starting quarterback in the NFL. And I don't know <clears throat> how much how much Arch Manning needs considering the name, but this thing has really um, gotten out of hand.
5: Okay, uh, Tim, uh, the – do they, need yeah, I, do they need Do they need to practice what, what's going
1: on? It was just, <laughs> just practice put them in there? <laughs> you, you, you talking about practice? <laughs> um, practice? <laughs> yeah. What do you mean practice? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but seriously, though,
0: I think uh, I think Coach Ambrose put his finger on it. Um, you know, we as the generation of parents of these kids have to take some of the responsibility. Probably a large share of it. And I I hate to be philosophical, uh, but but I think it's uh, endemic in our society now. The society has changed to the point that – and it could be coming from a a place where the parents, you know, sort of struggled and made it, and we don't want our parents to have to go through the same things that we did. But I think we've gone – the pendulum has has swung so far that we have made a softer generation of kids – who, as as several of the coaches have mentioned, don't know how to deal with adversity, and we have not, we've tried to shield them, I think, uh, from having to deal with adversity, and it hasn't worked well uh, in the, in their benefit. Uh, we we just, uh, I and mean, it used to be that sports was sort of sort of isolated from that. You know, there was you know the kids who played sports were a different type, type of kid. You know, and, and, you know, if the coach was a little hard on you uh, at practice and you go home and complain to your dad, uh, your dad would tell you suck it up and get back out there. Um, now the the, the, the the father will come down and, and want to cuss the coach out, you know, and, uh, you know, how could you treat my, my son like this? So I, th- I think it's a societal thing that has bled into sports and it is not uh, setting a good tone for the kind of young men that we uh, really would like to have in our society. And I think Coach Johnson uh, pointed out that the, 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 we're not giving the kids the skills that they need if they don't make the week. And they're getting this money and uh, wealth, in some cases, uh, so early that they don't have any kind of training on how to deal with it. And so we're just creating a disaster. The whole system is creating a disaster now. Okay, and, and
2: Jeff, well, uh, one quick one, one quick thing on that. Just say, cause uh, I wish I would have thought that family thing before Coach Ambrose did, because that's the key. I know we just discussed it, but I think it's Confucius, Confucius that said the strength of a nation depends on the integrity of the family, and it's yeah. going to it's affecting it's affecting a sport, and it's also going to affect our country. But again, that that that's that's the key, and uh, I wish wish we could realize as a country, but I, I think it's too far ahead in the other direction.
5: Yeah. Okay. All right. I wanna come back to uh Coach Johnson. Eric B enemy. Old school versus new school.
4: <laughs> okay. Uh you know, I, I think it's not very far off from the topic we were just uh discussing. Um <laughs> you know, I I think I would probably fall into the the old school my myself, I guess. Um, 'cause I guess uh being demanding of your players and expecting your players to work harder and and strive for excellence I guess that's considered old school I don't know. Uh when I but when I listen to the new age of coaching that's what it sounds like that if you if you're coaching hard and and holding your your players accountable or having high expectations for your players that's considered old school. I I guess if you're not patting them on the back and giving everybody a medal and, and all these other things, I guess that's new age. I, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, but uh, I, I, I would ask, I mean, you got to coach tomorrow. This is football. You know, I think what someone just said back in the old days, a coach get after you, and, hey, that's part of the game. You know, that's, that's right. a, in any sport, your coach is supposed to get after you. He's supposed to push you for excellence. He's supposed to make practice harder than the actual game so the game is easy for you. That's, I mean, I, I just I don't want to know any other way to do it. But uh, so I guess I'm probably the wrong person to ask about new school, but I guess I'm old fashioned
5: because I'm an old school guy. <laughs> well, I want to bring Ambrose in. Ambrose, uh, coaching style, uh, are the kids too, well, I know, like, uh, like Coach Johnson said, we, we kind of got that entanglement involved, entitlement involved in this, but – what it? What is, uh, Commanders a little sensitive.
3: <laughs> <laughs> is it a little sensitive. In today's yeah. world, I'd, say, I'd say we, uh, at least in the United States currently, we tend to have a little hypersensitive, <laughs> focus on how we feel about everything. Um, you know, <clears throat> the game. The game is the game is the game. Um, if if you start coaching in your twenties, you're the same guy coaching in your 60s, uh, you didn't evolve. And hell, you're probably not even coaching. Like, there's none of us. We've all had to grow and through the game with these kids and adapt to whatever the world is. That, that I mean, you could say the physical stuff, members, don't drink water. That's salt pills, you know, you, you drink water, you're soft. <laughs> I mean, look how far away we are from that now. intelligently right. though. So the evolution that is going to happen. High expectations are the game. That's not old school or new school. Accountability is the game. That's not old school or new school. Maybe the the thing that we were talking about about the parents, you know, when you go home and you tell your yeah, the coach got after me, my father would say to me, "Well, good. He's trying to make you better than <laughs> you." Want. Like, now there aren't a lot of parents that say that anymore, so they don't teach that lesson to those kids. So what happens? We end up teaching that lesson. Now, to be honest, it's kind of tiring when you're always teaching lessons. When people, that's what do we do for a living. You know, a lot of times we try to fix 18 years of previous teaching sometimes. That's really what happens. So, you know, we have – are they softer? Eh, maybe a little bit. You know, the old school, new school, that's usually said by a bunch of people that don't coach. So as far as the rest of us go, we're just going to evolve. As long as we want to keep coaching and helping young kids, these are the cards we're dealt. just going to evolve. Okay, well, well, Tommy,
5: how did the Swamp King survive then?
2: (laughs) The Swamp King. Who is the Swamp (laughs) King, Urban Myers. Oh oh, yeah, really good. You know, football. A lot of people say football is a contact sport. It's not a contact sport. It's a it's a collision sport. Soccer, basketball, dancing that's that's a contact sport. And It's a game of emotion, energy, enthusiasm, effort. If you want it from your players, you better coach it that way. Unfortunately, that's kind of that's old school. And I, and I can remember my first year at Tulane, and I was a loud coach because I coached wideouts. So you had to yell at them. And I was a hands-on guy, that's a, as nice as I'll put it. Uh, it shouldn't have been. But I remember <laughs> I flew my father over from Florida State to watch my practice on a private plane my, in my first spring at Tulane. And I took him to the airport to fly back after practice. And the last thing he said to me getting on a plane, he said, son, you better be careful. And it, it was really, really physical. Rich Rodriguez was on my staff and you know, Burton <laughs> Burns. It was very, very aggressive. Uh, uh, but as I say about Eric, ben, the enemy, if he's old school, you better do one thing. You better win. And if you win, you can get away with it. But if you don't, and, and, and you might not be able to win and get away with it. And sometimes I wonder, coach, you know, head coaches, it's a dictatorship. It's, it's not a democracy. You, you, you run the show. You don't, players don't get to vote on what happens. And, and I think it, the best example is Nick Saban. He, he ran every aspect of that show. And, and sometimes I wonder, on the season they had last year, not that it was a bad season, but one of the things you look at, they were heavily penalized week after week after week. From the first game to the last game, and I'm sitting there scratching my head. Said Nick Saban, "How does that happen? You can you can coach in penalties and practice pretty good." And I don't know if I, I don't know this, but if he didn't back off a little bit going from old school to new school, and uh, so uh, I, I'm an old school guy like most of these guys that have talked, but uh, I, you can't coach that way nowadays. And uh, maybe that one of the reasons that Urban Meyer burned out so quick uh and, and, and it's not coaching, but he was an old school guy, but the, I don't think you can do it nowadays and get away with, unless you win If you win a lot of games, you got a chance but uh, I don't even know if how to save you
5: okay uh precious so do we do we let this out to the public or do we keep it in the locker room
1: Wow i mean of, of course you try to keep it in the locker room, duck, whatever that is. Um, you know, hopefully we'll talk about Northwestern, but um yeah, you try to keep it in the locker room and stay old school and i don't I don't know when we we became so comfortable with, with saying or bringing it out of the locker room and bringing it to the press or leaking it and um you know that's your way of getting back at the coach, you know i'm old school i was I was raised that way, and I only asked my mother, but why one time. And you know and the, besides the physical response it was because I said so. And even in coaching, you know, I was told to do so many suicides. You didn't say why. You you went and did the process and then you got a chance to scrimmage. I, I don't I don't understand what's going on now, but everybody seems to think that this is the new way and we now call it new school where I, I just think it's misguided.
5: Okay, uh, uh, Tim, you're not winning, so you bring in a new offensive coordinator and you complain and you haven't won anything.
0: That's exactly right. You bring in in a new offensive coordinator who's been to three Super Bowls in the last four years, and, uh, you know, you would think that the idea of bringing him in is that you feel like you need to change something that you've been doing. Because you ha- you haven't had that kind of success, and then when he comes in and he tries to uh, demand more of the players, because I've never heard anybody say that Airs Beiname was abusive. I've just heard him say that he was hard nosed, that he was a hard ankle. Um, uh, you know, and I think there's a line between uh, being a tough, a tough and demanding coach and being abusive. I've never heard him say that he was abusive. They're just saying he's too tough on them uh and uh i would think if you've been losing like the commanders have been losing um you know you would be receptive to listening to somebody that's been in the super bowl three of the last 4 years um but who knows the, the mentality is really troublesome and i and i think coach Ambrose is right there are a lot of things that we've learned that we didn't know when 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 all of us played um that that you know, have, have, have been smart advances. But I think some of it, too, has been the impact of television having such a big influence on the game that you have a, a huge number of eyes that are watching what's going on in the public that are truly not grounded football fans. They're just people who are there for the spectacle, for the event. And, uh, you know, they, they sometimes are, are, are sort of guiding the ship uh to the detriment of uh of some of the real uh true benefits of, of the game and the character building that uh, that the game uh, can
5: bring. Okay. I wanna to come to uh Rob Ambrose because I wanna uh Coach Ambrose, Northwestern yes. athletics.
3: up, mm-hmm. Is there more or is this the title? <laughs>
1: I was
3: I was hoping I was I was waiting on oh, you God. to fill
5: it in. I just I oh, just threw God. it out there. Um,
3: okay, from a from an outsider's perspective, without without any knowledge. Okay, I'd say with a, without any true factual knowledge to be able to say yes, you know, um, it, it's a very sad day in college athletics on a bunch of different levels. And, you know, to the degree of, of which any of the, this – the veracity of this, I don't – somebody said you stick around long enough. What is familiarity breeds contempt. And Fitz has been there for forever. Um, an All-American is going to be inducted in the Hall of Fame. I mean, he's just done an amazing job in that city and at that school. And then to just – uh, it's one small crack turns into what would be Pandora's box on fire. I, for me to speak intelligently on this, it's just, I can't, I really can't. I, there's, too, there's too many horrible possibilities without facts that say something that, no, uh, you guys are probably way smarter than me.
5: Okay, and I want to come to uh, Coach Johnson because, we, and, and all of this is what we're reading uh and we're asking the question because we really don't know. We we can only go by what what's in print. Uh but as an assistant coach, do you not know what goes on in the locker room? Um, well, I think you
4: have a as a certificate you have a good feeling of what goes on in the locker room. But once again you are never gonna know 'cause when I when you're you're I'm in the locker room those kids know I'm in the locker room, you know, that they're not going to act the same way. It's like, I used to always tell my guys, you know, a, a thousand of my office kind of sat almost above our locker room. So I could hear them pooping and hollering in the locker room and and having a good time and enjoying each other. And sometimes you go on the field and they're like church mouse out there. You can't get them to make a check. And I would always tell them, how could you guys be that loud in the locker room, but nothing out here, but. They're not like that when I'm in the locker room. When I walk through the locker room, everyone's, everyone's best friend. Now, I know that's not always the case. You know, there's there's other issues that might be happening, but unless you're in there when it's really happening, like Rob just said, we all might have an idea or maybe an inkling of what happened in Northwestern, but we really don't know. And as an assistant coach, you might have an idea of some of the things that are going on locker room, but unless you're in there when it's actually occurring, you really don't know because those kids, uh, they know when you're around, and they, they're not going to say or do the same things they, that they're going to do when you walk out that door. Things are going to happen, mm-hmm. you know.
5: Okay. And coming to you, Tommy, as a head coach, if you know, I guess, you know, and I haven't been a head coach on the college level, but I know on the high school level, we get an inkling of what's going on, or somebody going to let it out so you mean to tell me uh you don't think anybody would let you know what was actually going on in the locker room
2: i I think he knew but here's what i don't like i said i don't i didn't read the report And, and correct me one of the panelists correct me if i'm wrong northwestern did an internal investigation uh a while ago i want to say three months ago and they got all that information and they gave it to the AD. They gave it to the president. They gave it to the board, and they said, "Okay, coach, I, I see what happened. We're going to suspend you two games." And I think that. And then all of a sudden, one player said something, and they and they and they fired him. Is that is that not how it happened? It was more than one,
1: but yes, yeah, several players came yeah, forward. It was
2: it it, yeah. it was one then it was another one. But didn't they mm-hmm. do an internal investigation before and they suspended yes. for two weeks? So yeah. what what changed? What what changed? And and other than social media uh it started snowballing in the media. I, I know some more players, but all the players said was what was in the report if I, if I'm not, not mistaken. And uh but Duck I, I, as a head coach, you, you have an you you got an idea what's going on and uh and I, I just you don't know I don't know the facts. What 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 changed for that internal investigation? Well they suspended him for two weeks that what came out that they 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 looked at they turned every stone and all of a sudden uh, a player first one then another maybe another one and they fired him but i don't think they could have said what anything different than what was in the report but uh, the uh, the players got a the coach at least uh, has a pretty good idea of of what's going on I, now some of that stuff they they keep pretty secret like you said the you know, all of a sudden, when 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 the head coach walks in the locker room, they put on a different persona than when you leave. And so, and what they do at the dorm or the apartment complex, where most of the players are are staying, you know that 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 that, that he might not be aware of that. But uh, it, I, I don't know how accurate all the information is, and it's it's really hard to make a comment. But a head coach has a lot of information about what's going on. He usually has a pretty good pulse of the team.
5: Okay, and it brings me back to this, uh, Tommy. Because, okay, say they they fired the head coach. Now, where is Northwestern going from here? Because they fired the head coach, but all the assistants that knew of this, what was going on, <laughs> uh,
2: quote unquote, still there. Yeah, uh, I know it. It really doesn't. It doesn't make sense how they handle it. And I, I would say, whoever gets that job, they're gonna. The, the the requirement might be that nobody was is 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 to be retained. I I don't know what the administration's going to, going to tell the new guy, but uh, it wouldn't surprise me if that happens because because of what you just said. If the head coach because usually if, uh, usually the uh, an assistant will come to you as uh, the head coach shut the door and say, "Coach, now I, I was in my running back meeting and I heard them guys talking and this is happening, so." The, the, if anybody knows, it's the graduate system, it's that support personnel, it's the assistant coaches will know it before the head coach does. So you, you bring up a very valid point. If he knew, they knew, and all of those guys kept their jobs. So I'd say mm-hmm. when they bring the new guy, I don't think they'll retain anybody. But the, the, the assistant coach, in my opinion, will know before will know before the head coach. Okay. Then
5: this coming to Ambrose, uh, how do you get the team back after all of this, all this speculation? You move your uh, one of the assistant coaches to the head coaching position, and you still got all this chirping on the outside of the locker room.
3: Circle the wagons, baby. Circle the wagons. Keep the main thing the main thing. Like, let's be honest. Like, we're we're here for football. We want to be good. Everybody, everybody came here for football. And we came here because we believed in this place and each other. And we thought we had a chance to do something right. And there's a million people outside this locker room that are going to talk about us and they're going to talk about things they know about maybe, and they're going to talk about things they don't know about. And we can't worry about any of it. It's got nothing to do with us. We do what we do. And, you know, the ability to focus through adversity amidst distraction is the key sign of success in a, in a human, and we're going to do it together, and we're going to do it individually. Keep the main thing the main thing. Okay,
5: so I'm going to come come to you with Coach Johnson. With they're opening up, uh, with Rutgers. Your thoughts? Can they can they stay together? They to go through that Big Ten schedule, opening up with Rutgers University.
4: Well, you'll find out in a hurry, but like I said, I I agree with what what Rob said. I mean, that's all you can do is to get these kids to to understand that it's a tough situation, obviously, and nobody wants to be in that situation, but what are you going to do? You only have two options. Either we continue to grow or we fold a tent and it's going to be a long year. And nobody wants that. All these kids, like Rob said, they chose that university for a reason and they believe in that university and that football program, well, now you're going to find out how much. And let's band together and you know, it's, it's us, kind of an us-against-the-world mentality and say we're going to find a way to be successful in regardless of the situation. But that—that's that's, to me, that's sports. That's what sports is supposed to teach. And I think you've got to lean on that, and hopefully that will give you enough strength to give you a chance to be successful in those games. And that's all you can ask for.
5: Okay, uh, Princess, uh, you know, you hear Tommy talk about a little bit of uh, internal investigation. Do you not, do we understand or don't understand why the NCAA didn't play a a bigger part in this?
1: You know, I, I think they're labeling this as hazing, and you're correct. None of us know 100%. We are just going by what was in the report that we've read and what other players have claimed that we've read. Um, But there are nine former players now that are suing um, Northwestern and the athletic department that have left. And I think there's five that are transferred, four or five that have entered the portal. But what these nine have said is that they were forced to take off their clothes as freshmen and go to the shower and be allowed to be bumped by the upperclassmen, and it was called the gauntlet. Um, I have a concern as a parent if I'm going to leave you at Northwestern, which I respect because it's an, it's one of those academically academic schools, you know, more like an Ivy League, and and um and scholarship right. here is more than just a scholarship. So I'm concerned about that, and I'm even concerned that. Some of the African-Americans who have filed the suit said they were forced, only the African-Americans, to have a watermelon eating contest. Now you know what? I don't know what that has to do with football. I don't know what that has to do with the process. I don't know what that has to do with successes and failures. But if any of this is true, then the athletic department, the president, whomever, they just thought, okay, this is just hazing and this is funny. Ha-ha. To me, this has really crossed the line on both aspects. Sexually and just you know um, culturally, why do some of this? And how long has it been going on? And how long have we tolerated it? They all need to go because as Pat Fitzgerald knew, then the coaches knew. And I don't know for sure, hundred percent. I'm just going by what I've read in the documents. As none of these players have secured legal um, representation, and they have reported this
5: okay uh Tim, uh also it it wasn't only happening in football your, your thoughts
0: well um see I wasn't aware i thought it, i thought this was just the the football program but that that's that's disturbing a bit uh when I first heard it um it, it, the initial reports that I was hearing I was thinking to myself that it didn't sound all that unusual with football programs I've been familiar with. But when I started hearing about the sexual stuff and the racial stuff, um, that's sort of a different animal. And um, as Prince has pointed out, Northwestern is probably, or at least they pride themselves on being the highest academic standard university in the Big Ten. They look at themselves as being a Midwest Ivy. Uh, being on par with the Stanfords and the the Harvards and the the Dukes and the University of Virginias and those schools. Um, And so that means uh, that they have probably some of the most wealthy alumnus. Um, And so when you've got problems with a university like that and you've got some of these really well-heeled alumnus, are getting wind of this at their university, um, they're not going to tolerate this, and they're going to bring power with their words and their response to it. So I think that's what we're looking at, and I think Coach Bowden is exactly right. We're probably looking at a cleaning of the house uh, going into next season, but Coach Ambrose is correct as well. Looking at this season, you got to focus strictly on football with the team that you have and try to make the best of a bad situation.
5: Okay. I want to come back to uh, Tommy. Uh, let's talk, uh, and the other coaches, too. I just want to talk about the new rules on practicing. You know, I guess I'm, I'm like Eric B. me a little old school. I, I just remember three a day, full gear. So,
2: <laughs>
5: <laughs> so Tommy, you want to talk about the,
2: the new new era? That, that was my father that did that to you, three a days in full <laughs> pass. So I want you to be remind, reminded of that. You know, it, it kind of goes about what we talked about earlier about entitlement and culture because it seems like the practices are now mirroring the entitlement culture. But the one thing you want to do, you know, it seems like things migrate from the pros to colleges to high schools. The pros mess with the kickoff the colleges didn't move the kickoff back. And kind of, And I can remember uh, coaches during kind of during this transition of, this, of the spring ball, two-a-days, three-a-days, the preseason, two-a-days and three-a-days. I was coaching during the transition where we started mimicking the pros, go out and after the second practice, of shorts, maybe shells, just the sh- shoulder pads and shorts, and then all of a sudden the two-a-days were negated. And uh, the one thing it has done, even the new rules on kickoff where you can uh, take it, uh, just fair catch it, and get on 25. I do, I do believe it has minimized injuries, which is, which is what you want. And, uh, the objective is, as a, as a head coach is to get your good players to the game healthy. Don't, don't get them hurt in practice. And I think this adjustment has, has, has made that happen. Uh, getting your better players and not, not getting them hurt in practice and then getting them, getting them to the games healthy. So, uh, I think there's some good and there's some bad to it, but I do think it's a it's a it's a mirror image of the culture and entitlement. That man, these 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 players, you couldn't talk them into, you couldn't pay them to do two a days, much less three a days. Are going out twice twice a day in full pads? Are you kidding me? Are you crazy? So, uh, but again, it's, it's we talked about, we brushed on that earlier. I think about the culture and the entitlement, but. Uh, I, I think we're going too far the other way because you it, it's a game of tough, toughness and getting up off the ground and getting knocked down. And who's had the perseverance and who has the mental toughness and can fight through injuries? You know, there's a pain, difference between pain and injury. And all those things that are associated with football, I don't know if you learn those now like you used to.
5: Okay. I uh, want to come to Coach Johnson. Kind of take me through once you got started coaching to, all the way up till you stop coaching, with you know how many days you practice, you know that type of deal. Oh yeah, I mean like you said, when I
4: first started coaching, it was what you talked about. You know, we we'd go three days, we'd go two full padded practice, and maybe throw a you know a forty fifty minute walk through in between there, or a supposed walk through, with shoulder pads on and in uh, shorts, but. Uh, you know, I think Coach Bowden hit the, the nail on the head. Uh, right down sports is mimicking society, and there's no way that these kids uh, today would be able to even make it, much less want to make it through uh, a three practices in one day. They, I don't even know if they can even fathom that, if their minds can handle it or even think that it's true. That It's the old saying of, you know, when I used to walk uphill to school both ways. <laughs> <they'd> <laughs> in the snow. they at it the same way. <laughs> You know, when you say when you went through three days, oh, that's crazy, you're making that up. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I can even think of a kid today that, that would even be able to make it through that type of practice. And, it's you know, it's a little bit unfortunate. It is a, a, a two-sided coin because I agree with Coach. The objective is to get the best players to the game, and, and the new rules are uh, making that more um, affordable to happen. But at the same time, I uh, once again i I'm an old time guy this is football. this is supposed to be one of the toughest sports out there and teaching you how how many times can you can you get back up uh, that was the one thing I loved about the game when I was a player is it taught me how many times can you go to get knocked out and get up again and just keep doing it no matter what and no matter what the scoreboard said no matter what the how much time was left if I went down, I was going to get up as as long as i could I was healthy enough to do it but those lessons aren't being taught anymore. So it's hard to sometimes to watch the games nowadays because the games aren't like what they used to be. And because mm-hmm. uh, guys go down and I, I see guys now laying down on the field. You know, I couldn't imagine that when I was a player. Yeah, You know, I would sure. never lay down. But I don't care how bad I'm hurt. I'm at least going to get up to a knee until someone comes out and help me. I'm not going to lay on my back on the football field mm-hmm. and – that was the old warrior mentality, but those days are over. You know, that have these kids have no problem doing it.
5: Okay, uh one of some of the, uh Coach Ambrose, uh the <laughs> pros and con pros and cons of today's
3: practices. <clears throat> you, you know, you guys all say that like the same smart stuff. A lot of this is you know, a lot of this is well intended, I believe and it's based on science. And, you know, as we were talking about what was the game 20 years ago and has, how has science helped us progress the game, especially in relation to health and injury, which is, which is definitely a good thing. We, we've figured out a way to, to practice, and, and, and I like somebody, you know, both Lyndon and Chris and, uh, Brown said, get them, get them to the game healthy. Um, but therein lies part of the problem. Because the science is being done by people that don't play the game. right? It's being done by people that study the body. <clears throat> and the body itself and its function is just not the game. And getting the human being to the game healthy does not ensure success. And, and, and Coach said, this, you know, it, everything trickles down from the pros to college. And, and, well, why can't you guys just be like the NFL and, and not tackle and not hit them? because we're not NFL players. We're not that good yet. We actually have to hone our craft physically so we right. might be able to be good enough to do that at one point in the future. But in the meantime, when you talk about injury and science, the best way to not get hurt tackling is to practice tackling. Practice mm-hmm. the thing that you need to do so you can do it correctly and not be you hurt. Can. So, so there's, there's a little bit of grayness that gets lost here and for me it's never to win a game it's to win the season I want to win the next play but I got to have big eyes getting my best players to the game is not nearly as important as it's going to be is making sure that my players are prepared to play a season an entire season is the downside of some of this that we're all focused on making sure that they're at their peak performance at a certain point But there's a lot more that goes into the wear and tear of the game that allows you to be a successful player, like Lynn said, allows you to have that intestinal fortitude to get up time and time again. If we don't allow – if we practice so soft that we don't allow guys to get knocked down, how in the hell are they ever going to figure out how to get up? So it's a fine fine line that we walk. The science is a good thing. There are always things that are for the benefit. But, you know, for me as a head coach, my latest frustrations was – Having the science people tell me how practice should be structured and what should happen during practice, and that's where no 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 the pendulum has swung too far. Okay,
5: I want to come to Tim. Tim, you know uh, you played college ball, played high school ball, uh, you practices. but my I, my quick question to you and is that when did the running back start tapping that helmet to come out? I was always afraid that if I came out the game, somebody that comes in behind me might stay there. So, but I'm just kind of throwing that out
0: Yeah, Doug, that's that's a little different, man, because, um, you know, I, I remember running backs who used to want to carry the ball back to back, you know, eight times during a drive, if you could get the ball down the field like that and grind out. Um, and some guys, you know who played like that would get stronger as the game went on. The mentality is different now, um, and I think it's just in keeping with everything that the other coaches have said. Here is that the the whole uh, training of the body, of the mind, of the will, and all those things is sort of falling by the wayside because of a lot of restrictions that are being put on uh, on coaches. Uh, in the way that they train their team. Uh, you know, I I, I I know Coach Bowden has heard me mention this before, but on uh, previous programs, my father was a minister, was a pastor for 60-plus years. And I, one of the things I remember him talking about, and he was talking in terms of people in their Christian walk who make mistakes when they first join the church. And he said, and I never forget this, and I think it applies to football players too, he said, uh, he said when, you, when you have a young kid who's learning to walk, you know, they're going to fall sometimes, but you don't just leave them down there. You pick them back up, and, get, and, and, and they may fall a few times as you go, but eventually they're going to learn to walk through that process. And then when they get stronger, they're going to learn to run. And I think that may be what we're missing with football now, with all of the restrictions that are placed on training, and getting players ready and getting teams ready for the season. You can see it in tackling. Tackling is awful at, at all levels of football now. Uh, and I think part of it is exactly what Coach Johnson was saying. Uh, they don't practice it. Um, you know, you, you, get, you learn how to tackle by tackling. And uh, I think a lot of that's just sort of falling by the wayside because of the, some of the restrictions that are placed on uh, what you can do with a team now.
5: Okay, Uh, Princess, we're going to finish with you, and you can take us out of here. I want to know uh, with you, Princess, how how is it different when you play volleyball in college to where it is now?
1: Ducky, you know, I've actually been to a lot of practices, especially on, on the University of Florida campus. I don't think it varies that much, you know. Um, maybe they don't practice twice a day. We went in at 5 a.m. and came back at once classes were over at 5 p.m. And then if it was before game day, you know how things um, changed then. So, but I don't think the structure has changed that much. I think the skill level is a lot better and a lot faster and taller. But I, I don't see the difference. And I was going to say, hey, I was going to bow, bow out on this one if we were talking three-a-days on the football field. It's too hot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too soft for that one <laughs> um, But gentlemen, thank you This has been awesome Rob Ambrose, Linda Johnson, Tommy Bowden Duck Riley, Tim Moore um, I can't wait to do this again And everybody, you know Pray for my Gators, say go Gators You know, they're going to be Utah Right, Tommy Bowden <laughs> I'm, one, I'm,
2: I'm a Billy I'm Nap- a
1: Billy Napier, man <laughs>
2: okay
4: okay
1: Linda Johnson
4: oh my pleasure thanks for having me again
1: all right all right so now tell me about Linda Johnson who wins um, Penn State West Virginia let me get that one before we close out Rob Ambrose
3: yeah. like I could answer this on this podcast and survive without saying that. <laughs> like if james franklin is listening james i apologize but i am in a corner my friend and the mountaineers have it uh,
2: uh, there we go tell me about tell me about
1: hey hey
2: what are they call upset special mountaineers by three okay all
1: right lyndon johnson
4: as much as I love you, Riley, I, I just can't get it out of my mouth. I gotta go with the line. Well,
2: well, thank
1: you. One, thank
2: one, you. one honest guy. One honest guy.
5: <laughs> hey, hey, you know it's, it's two honest guys because Kurt Street said that West Virginia was gonna win.
1: You have never brought up Kirk Herd Street until now. Thank you. Said <laughs> exactly
5: right. So, You're exactly Hurt, right. Kirk Street and Urban Myers never lie.
1: Oh, boy. <laughs> We're going to end on that one <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Coaches, thank you. I appreciate you all. I look forward to, to coming back here in a couple of weeks. You all have a great evening. and Have a great college football weekend. A good thank you, weekend. Thank, thank you. you so much. Let's so go, awesome. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right, never have it so good. We'll get ready for the, the top of the hour.